Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm. Here are your hosts, experienced lawyers, writers, and entrepreneurs, Heidi Alexander and Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to a new episode of the Legal Toolkit here on the Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Heidi Alexander. I'm also a law practice advisor with Massachusetts LOMAP. LOMAP provides free and confidential law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on LOMAP's offerings, visit our website at masslomap.org. This month, unfortunately, you're stuck with me. And next month, your longtime host, Jared Correa, he'll be back with you. So from here on out, Jared and I will be on the Legal Toolkit each month with a new tool to add to your Legal Toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. This episode of the Legal Toolkit is no different. And today, we are going to talk about innovations in legal technology. So joining me now is Adam Ziegler. Adam is a lawyer and co-founder of an innovative online startup called Moodus, and that's spelled M-O-O-T-U-S. Moodus is a platform for open online legal argument, which we'll hear more about later. Before entering the world of entrepreneurship, Adam was an attorney in private practice. He began his career as a law clerk for a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals, then practiced at two large firms, and later became a partner at a Boston litigation boutique. Adam has also organized a Boston meetup group for legal innovators. So with his experience as a practicing attorney and now as a legal technology entrepreneur, Adam has a unique perspective to share with us about the future of the legal industry. Welcome to the show, Adam. Hi, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, this should be a lot of fun. Great. Thanks for, thanks for being on. So first, let's, let's talk about you. You practiced as an attorney for about 10 years and even landed as a partner at a firm, you know, a position that many attorneys aspire to. So why did you decide to leave it all and venture into the world of entrepreneurship? Well, actually, for me, it was a very difficult decision. Uh, this is not something I uh, really expected uh, to do if you had asked me a couple of years ago. I loved my firm. I loved the people I w- was working with, great lawyers doing interesting work. And I never really dreamed of starting a company. Uh, I never wanted to do anything other uh, than practice law, really. But ultimately what happened uh, was that I wanted something like Moodus to exist. I really wanted to use it. And I constantly found myself wishing that it existed since no one else had built it, I figured I had to try, and if it didn't work out in the long run, at least I would know that I had given it a shot. Great. Well, one of the reasons I invited you on this podcast, um, other than you know just, just being an overall good guy, of course, uh, is because I think that your startup and others like it really represent what the future holds for the legal industry. So your company focuses on using technology to empower attorneys to deliver their services more efficiently and effectively. So can you just explain to our listeners the concept of your company? Uh, absolutely. So Moodus is a website on which uh, users, lawyers, law students 
uh, can anonymously solve legal issues submitted by other users, other lawyers or law students. And they do that by citing legal authorities and then approving or disapproving the authorities cited by others. So over time, this creates uh, an interesting collection of cases that are relevant to a given legal issue. And we make the results of all of this activity openly available so that other lawyers can use it and build on it and spend less time redoing work that's been done before. So we think it can help lawyers uh, do better work over time and spend less time repeating work that's been done before. And obviously, clients don't want to pay for redundant work. Moodis also has uh, a reputational benefit. So the better your activity and your contributions on the site, the more status or influence you gain within the site uh, in terms of voting and approving other people's contributions. So when you're ready, you can take your profile and publicize your achievements to others, maybe potential employers, maybe potential clients. It works almost like a portfolio site for lawyers, which hasn't existed before in the legal field, but is a very important way for other types of professionals to get their names out, to get their reputations out, and to really show what they can do. I think that's a good point, Adam, and I'm glad you brought that up, because I think in many ways the legal profession is really beginning to emulate aspects of, of other professions. You know, a, a company like yours is, is really not only in the business of transforming the way that attorneys do business, but it's also a way to create new jobs in the legal industries. So, you know, in order for our listeners to really get a, a better understanding of the entrepreneurship process, can you just walk us through the steps you took from initial idea to launch? Sure. And first of all, I absolutely agree with you that a lot of the changes and the trends we're seeing in the legal industry are um, really just mimicking what has happened in other industries, uh, you know, recently or even years ago. And I think that kind of trend is definitely continue. So to get back to Moodis um, and my and the steps I took to, to kind of move from basic concept to a launched product, it all started for me with a really basic problem. Um, I was very busy. Uh, I was a litigator. I was extremely busy, and I didn't have time, and my clients didn't have the budget to do some legal research that I really wanted to do before a big trial. And this was in the category of uh, sort of nice-to-have legal research as opposed to need-to-have. Uh, but I wanted to do the work. Uh, I didn't have time. My clients didn't have the budget. I thought, what if there were a website where I could go and find work that others had done before on a similar issue or perhaps post my legal issue and then a couple of days later get a list of citations that might be relevant? That would be pretty cool. So after coming up with this basic concept, I looked around for something similar. I couldn't find anything. So then I took the next step, which was to talk to technical experts about what it would take to build. What types of software would I need? How, much, how long would it take? Uh, what kind of expertise would I need to look for? Uh, once I answered those questions, and it seemed certainly doable, then I talked to lots of uh, potential users, students, law professors, solo practitioners, big firm lawyers, small firm lawyers, in-house lawyers, to get their reactions and their feedback on this idea I had. And once I had a, gathered a lot of information from them, 
I partnered up with my co-founder, who was an experienced and is an experienced web developer. We hired a designer to help us um, build the look and the feel and the usability of the site. And we built the first basic iteration of the site, just a basic raw prototype. And from there, it's been a continuous process of learning, improving, refining what we're doing based on what people tell us and how they use the site. And our goal is to make tangible progress every single day, and that's the path we're on. Well, that's, that's great. It sounds like you clearly did your, your due diligence, which is important uh, when starting uh, any new business. And, and I can tell that your experience has really shaped the vision for your company. Can you talk about whether and how your experience specifically as an attorney helped you to launch your product? I think it's been incredibly helpful. Um, obviously, uh, being a lawyer uh, is helpful when you're doing a, uh, a startup or a company that is, is making tools that will help other lawyers. So that's obviously helpful. Um, and I've been around lawyers uh, basically all my life. Uh, my wife is a lawyer in a two-person firm. My father has been a solo practitioner for about 35 years down in uh, Louisiana. So I have a lot of, a lot of faith in sort of the values and the ethics and the virtues of the legal profession, uh, even in these difficult times where uh, lawyers are, are kind of coming under attack and the market's very difficult for lawyers. Um, but my background and understanding um, of what it's like to be a lawyer has really helped me in designing the site and understanding what it is that, um, that lawyers and law students need. The second thing, uh, and this is maybe a little less obvious, is that many of the skills that I worked to develop as a, as a practicing lawyer have actually served me very well. Um, you know, thinking analytically, being an advocate, negotiating um, with all different types of people in all different types of situations, dealing sometimes with criticism, with skepticism, um, knowing what it takes to sort of work hard and just put your nose down and get, get things done. All those things uh, which uh, being a lawyer helped me develop have uh, really helped us in the business world, too. I'm really glad that you found those skills transferable and, and even you know, advantageous in non-traditional settings. I think that's important for, uh, for law students to understand at this point. Uh, in the with the economy, um, you know, Adam, you've provided us with some great information thus far about legal technology and entrepreneurship. But at this point, we must take a quick break. And when we will return, we will talk more with Adam about innovations in legal technology and what it means for the legal industry. So this is normally the space in our show where we offer words from our sponsors. And this potentially represents a unique opportunity for you. The Legal Toolkit is seeking sponsors. You can hear your advertisement right here. If you're interested, contact the team at Logical at info at logical.com. Welcome back to the second half of our program. We're joined today by Adam Ziegler, co-founder and CEO of Moodus. Recently, we both had the opportunity to attend an excellent program on the future of lawyers at Suffolk University Law School's 
New Institute on Law Practice Technology and Innovation. Adam, I know you're collaborating with the Institute. Can you tell us how you think it can benefit the legal industry? Absolutely. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Institute at Suffolk Law. It is one of a small handful of efforts or initiatives at law schools across the country that are really working and focused on helping law students and particularly new lawyers succeed in the rapidly changing legal industry. And obviously, at least it's my opinion, the opinion of a lot of other people, that the pace of change in the legal industry is accelerating rapidly, and especially when it comes to technology. Technology is having a huge impact on the way that uh, lawyers work, and it's going to continue to do that in a, in, a, in a faster and faster pace. The schools like Suffolk with their institute and another school, Northeastern Law School, with uh, its new initiative called the New Law Lab, these schools are doing a great job preparing students for the challenges and the opportunities that they'll see down the road in the coming years. And it's, it's been my thought as I've learned more and more about um, legal technology and kind of where the industry is headed, that law schools can and should be doing much more. They should be much more proactive about the future of the legal industry. Maybe instead of just teaching ancient legal history, which has its place, of course, law schools um, should focus efforts and resources and personnel on, on helping students build a foundation for success down the road, whether that's three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road. The industry will be diff- different then than it is now and certainly than it was uh, decades ago. So that means law schools need to do things differently sometimes. They need to be open-minded. They need to experiment with new models and disciplines. I think law schools have a very long way to go, but I'm very encouraged that schools like Suffolk and others are devoting real energy and resources to these new approaches. It's very exciting. So one of the initiatives at the Institute is to bring legal tech entrepreneurs together to network and to engage with the students. Uh, I believe that there's an event uh, coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks. And so as someone involved in this effort, can you speak about the initiative and how you think it might help further legal innovation and maybe even create new jobs for students now graduating from law school? Well, uh, many experts will tell you, and they've predicted that in the future, um, uh, you know, unfortunately, there will be fewer and fewer opportunities for law school graduates to practice law in a traditional sense. But the upside is that there will be more opportunities to work in a variety of law-related disciplines like legal project management, legal technology, legal analytics, and many other areas that are are, um, associated with lawyers and that it it will help to have a law degree, but they're not traditional law practices. So by exposing current students to some of these new fields and hopefully teaching them how to excel and succeed in some of these new disciplines, um, law schools can really help their graduates prepare for a successful career in an industry uh, in the future that's going to look, as I said before, very different than it does today and and absolutely different than it has in the past. So that's one of the reasons why um, I, uh, you know, wanted to organize this legal innovation meetup in Boston. 
to bring together people who are thinking about and working on and focused on the future of the legal industry, not just to talk about or speculate about what might happen, but really educate each other, help expose the members of the group, particularly students, to what's happening and what might be happening down the road so that people are, can be proactive and really participate and not just watch it happen and not just complain about the changes that are destined to happen. So that's kind of the idea. And again, it's, it's very exciting. We've had great uh, responses thus far, great participation, and we hope, we hope it will continue to grow. That's a great idea, and I'll really look forward to seeing how, how it develops. Uh, and, you know, in addition to there being fewer opportunities to practice in, you know, as you say, a traditional sense, I think one of the concerns that I've heard voiced by practitioners, particularly solo and small firm attorneys, is that technology has the potential to completely replace these practices. Uh, you know, everyone out there is concerned about uh, more legal Zoom type models and companies. So, you know, before, as I, I would say, before there comes a day that that robots, uh, you know, otherwise known as Cylons for all of you Battlestar Galactica fans, before they all take over the world, how do you respond to these concerns? Do you think they're valid? And, you know, if, if so or if not, you know, how can attorneys protect themselves uh, protect their businesses? Well, first, I'm a huge Battlestar Galactica fan, so I love the reference to the Cylons. Uh, but I actually don't think that robots or computers are going to completely replace lawyers. I think that type of fear is misplaced. But the concern you describe is very real and absolutely valid, valid, especially for those lawyers or law students who might be in the early or middle parts of their career. As I said, I uh, my dad was a, a solo practitioner for a long time. My wife works in a two-person firm, and I actually worked for a sol- solo practitioner for a couple of years before going to law school. So I um, not only understand how uh, small firms and solo practitioners work, I also appreciate the unique value that they can offer over and above and, and, and apart from anything like a company, uh, any, anything that a company like LegalZoom might be able to do. But that said, um, from my perspective, if your practice today is based on repeating the same or similar tasks for client after client, and you're not working to use technology to automate as much as possible, then you're probably in trouble. If efficiency and value are not at the top of your list of priorities where they should be, then uh, it's very likely that companies like LegalZoom or, or others, you know, in some sense are going to eat your lunch. And, you know, my perspective is that they probably should because clients will demand it. They want better service. They want more efficient service. They want more transparent pricing. And ultimately, they are the ones that all of us work for. So they can and they will vote with their feet. So, you know, what can lawyers do to protect their business? My point of view on this is that you really have to embrace change. You have to work to integrate technology that will help you save money both for yourself, for your firm, and your, for your clients. You also should work on building deep, substantive expertise in niche areas of law. It's going to be very difficult, increasingly difficult, to succeed as a general practitioner in the future. So. My recommendation is to make efficiency, transparency, and value top priorities 
and look for opportunities to exploit the competitive advantages that you do have over companies like LegalZoom. And I think that means personal human service, the, the, the ability to look your client in the eye when they're going through a very difficult situation. We're a long way from computers or robots being able to do that. So I'm confident that that is a unique competitive advantage that, that, that we lawyers have. The other thing is the ability to do proactive and preventative lawyering. So if you have a relationship with a client, you can help them avoid problems in the first place. And I think lawyers have an advantage in trying to do that. And the last thing is just building your expertise, building your substantive knowledge so that you can handle the non-routine matters that come up so often. And if you have the relationships, then you will be in a position to, that, that those clients will look to you to help out in those situations. Adam, I'm glad that you mentioned niche practices. Uh, just recently, my, my co-host, Jared Correa, actually wrote a tome on how to establish a niche practice, and, and that can be found on our blog at masslomap.org. So as an innovator yourself, do you have any predictions regarding the future of the legal industry with respect to legal technology that you'd like to share with us? Well, I, I won't pretend to have any special knowledge. Obviously, no one really knows what's going to happen, but I'll tell you what my bet is. And I'm betting that lawyers are going to wake up and we're going to realize that we're being, in a sense, leapfrogged by technology. So what I hope to see and believe we will see is sort of a new class of tech-enabled lawyers emerge. And consistent with that, the tools, the technologies that really excite me, you know, sort of pumped up about the future of the legal industry, even in difficult times, are the ones, you know, like Moodis, that are really working to help lawyers do more, better, faster, smarter, and ultimately cheaper for their clients. So that's where I think the future is going, and that's where I hope it's going. Well, thanks a lot, Adam. It's really been a pleasure to have you on the podcast but unfortunately, we've uh, reached the end of another episode of The Legal Toolkit. And remember, though, that you can check out all of our shows anytime you'd like at thelegaltalknetwork.com. And thank you very much to Adam Ziegler of Moodis for taking the time to drop by our virtual studio. Adam, if any of the listeners want to find out more about you and what you do, how would they go about doing so? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Heidi. This has been a lot of fun. Great pleasure to talk to you. If anyone in the audience uh, wants to learn more, they can go to our website, which is www.mutus.com. And again, Mutus is M-O-O-T-U-S. And you can always reach out to me directly at my email, which is adam at mutus.com. Thanks again. Thanks again, Adam, and thanks to everyone out there online for listening. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Heidi and Jared for their next podcast, covering the current business trends for law firms. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. 
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.